the book of Ephesians. And in chapter 5, uh, the Apostle Paul, as, he, as he's writing to this group of believers in the ancient city of Ephesus, he continues really what he started in chapter 4. Last week, we looked at Paul's challenge to the Ephesians where he said, walk worthy of the calling that you have been called to. And that same word used and translated walk in chapter 4, verse 1, shows up three other times in chapter 5. And what we're going to see in this chapter is three ways that we can walk worthy, three ways that we can imitate God and become more like His Son, Jesus. And the, the chapter begins in this way, chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are His dear children. Imitate God. Does that mean we just need to kind of, you know, clean ourselves up and do better and be more kind and be more loving? If that were the case, if we were just talking about sheer imitation, that would be like moralistic behavior. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Notice that he says, do this because you are God's dear children. This is the key to it all. Just like a, a, a child begins to reflect their parents because of their genetics, because of their close proximity to their parent. In the same way, people that have come into a relationship with Jesus ought to start looking more and more like Jesus. That's the kind of imitation that Paul's talking about here. Uh, a few years ago, I remember uh, we were somewhere and we had just recently been with my parents. And Lisa saw me do something and she's like, oh my gosh, you are just like your dad. And it was the silliest thing. I didn't even realize that my dad does it, but my wife and my kids, they noticed it, that when Big Paw, as they call him, when his pants start to droop down a little bit, he doesn't, like, adjust them with his hands. He just takes the side of his hands and gives a little. And I guess I do that. I mean, I don't, I don't do that, do I? I mean, I'm on camera today. We're, we're joining people all over Here's the thing, I didn't try to do that. It wasn't, in fact, I wasn't trying to be like my dad. It was just something that was in me. Something that somewhere along the lines I had picked up because I'm my dad's son. Because I'm in relationship to him. Because he has influenced my life. Yes, even doing that. What Paul is saying is, imitate God then as his dearly loved children. When we live out of our true identity, we start to reflect the one that we identify with. And that's what Paul was saying. And there's much at stake here because probably some of you in the room or some of you that are watching online right now, you've seen the behavior of some people that call themselves Christians. And it's been disappointing they haven't, we haven't reflected our Father well. But that's what Paul is talking about. And then in the rest of the passage, he lays out three ways that we can walk or live 
in order to imitate the Father. And the first way, he says, is to live in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. He says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Now, this is not just any ordinary kind of love. This isn't just, uh, you know, being kinder, being nicer. This is a sacrificial, selfless love that's based upon the person and work of Jesus. Notice what he says in the text. He says, following the example of Christ. And how did he love us? He loved us, it says, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. It's what we just celebrated here together as we shared communion. We remember Jesus' sacrifice. It's the kind of sacrificial, selfless love that we'll remember and celebrate on Thursday, on Veterans Day. Men and women who have been willing to serve others for the sake of our freedoms. Men and women, some who have given the ultimate price and laid down their lives. In fact, that's the term that Paul uses here. He says, Jesus who offered himself up, who gave himself up. This is the kind of love that reflects the Father. If we're going to imitate God, it's going to be mean living out a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And yet what so often comes out of our life is not a, a sacrificial love, but really a, a, a selfish kind of lust. And that's what Paul addresses next in the text. He says, let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you. He says, such sins have no place among God's people. Paul was just aching for the Ephesian church because there was a gap in their life, just like there's a gap sometimes in ours. A gap between what we say we believe and how we actually live. And Paul was challenging the Ephesian church. Remember, he's writing to Christians here. He's not putting these, these ways and these rules upon those that don't know Jesus yet because that would just be imitation and moralistic behavior. The first step is coming into a real relationship with Jesus. But once that happens, it should start to change how we live. And Paul says we'll live in love, not just in lust. And so he points out sexual immorality. The, the word here, the original Greek word is the word pornea, which is the word that we get our English translation pornography from. But what Paul's talking about is more and bigger than that. In fact, if we were to, to, to define Sexual immorality, it would be better defined in this way. It's any sexual expression outside of the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage. Now, some of us in the room are like, whoa, it just got tense in here. Or some of us in the room are watching online, we're immediately feeling judged or guilty or ashamed. But this is why Jesus came. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. To, for, to offer forgiveness and hope and freedom and a, a whole other way of life. And he's calling us to live in real love. It's not just about what I can get, but it's more about what can I share and give. 
It's sacrificial love. And he goes on in the text. In fact, the, the NIV version, I remember the first time I read this verse when I was a 17-year-old brand new Christian. <laughs> because the NIV puts it this way. It says, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. And I was like, wow, that's like serious. Like, <laughs> there's no room for kind of skirting around the edges. No room for kind of pushing the envelope. Paul took this seriously because God takes it seriously. Because he doesn't want to see us damage our lives. And man, sex, our sexuality is such a critical part of who we are. And it's a grand gift that God gives us. But when we, when we practice it outside of the ways that God intended, it causes damage. It hurts our lives. I can't tell you how many people have been in our offices that we've counseled going through pornography or adultery and their lives are just being shredded and Paul's aching for the Ephesian church as he would for you and I to live a life of love he goes on to 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 kind of tie that to what he says next he says also there shouldn't be these obscene stories or foolish talk or coarse jokes he says these are not for you instead let there be thankfulness to God It's like Paul is tying uh, these things to what he was just previously talking about. And how easy is it for us to to, to fall into conversations that are kind of off-color? How easy is it for us to laugh away at a joke that is really talking about our human sexuality? And Paul says this shouldn't be. We can, we should do better if we're going to imitate his kind of love. John Stott puts it this way. He says, all God's gifts, including sex, are subjects for thanksgiving rather than for joking. He says, to joke about them is, to, is bound to degrade them. He says, but to thank God for them is a way to preserve their worth as the blessing of a loving creator. Live in love. And Paul goes on to say how serious this is. He says, you can be sure that no immoral or impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, I read that and I'm like, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. I mean, is what Paul's saying, like, if that's ever been a part of our life, if that's ever marked our lives, that we're all disqualified from heaven? And the answer is, Yes, because we're all disqualified. Big sins, little sins, it all disqualifies us from living in a holy place in the presence of a holy God. And yet that's why time and time again throughout Paul's writing to the various churches, he says, you know, you were this and you used to live this way, but then he says, but, but now. And Paul does the same thing in this passage. So he's not describing people that have just slipped up, blown it. I mean, you might be here and say, well, what if I've already blown it? Because probably you have, probably I have, we have. (laughs) Thankfully, God doesn't leave us there. No, the way to heaven, the way to hope has never been through our actions and getting it right. It's always only been through Jesus. And his sacrifice on our behalf. 
when we go to Jesus and confess our sins and tell him that we need him desperately. Leaves me with a growing deeper kind of question. What characterizes my thought life, my actions? Is it, is it more about selfish lust or is it about sacrificial love? Well, Paul goes on in this text to move from talking about living in love to living in the light. Look at it with me. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 6, here's what Paul goes on to talk about. He says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God, he says, will fall on all who disobey him. He says, don't participate in these things that these people are doing. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have, be, you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Now, Paul gets even more serious here, and what he says is so strong. When it says, you were once full of darkness, the, the original wording and rendering should sound more like this, once you were darkness. He doesn't just say, you were in the darkness, oh, you were a little bit over here in the dark, uh, you were, you were kind of on the line of the darkness, Oh, you slipped in there for a few mo- few moments, or, or you know, or you, you were in a season of darkness. Paul says to the Ephesian church, he says, once you were darkness. He wasn't just saying you you were in the darkness. Really, what Paul is saying is the darkness was in you. You know, if we're honest, that's true of all of us. There have been times where you, where me, where we've seen the darkness of our own souls, of our own hearts, of our own thoughts, of our own attitudes. But Paul doesn't leave the Ephesian church there. He says, once you were, that's past tense. He says, but now you have light from the Lord, something has changed. What was it that had changed for the Ephesian believers? They had come into a real living relationship with Jesus. They had become God's children. They weren't just trying to fix themselves and now imitate all the good things about God. They had become his children and God's character was starting to influence their character. And Paul was saying, keep going, live in love and live in light. How does that happen? Colossians, Paul writes to another group of believers in Colossians 1, he says, he has enabled you, God has enabled you, to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. Hallelujah. (laughs) Like, He did it all. Jesus did it on our behalf. And it says, he transferred us. Do you know that when a person realizes that we haven't lived in God's kind of love, that perhaps our life has been marked by just selfish lust, and when we realize and confess that we aren't just living in the darkness, but there's darkness inside of us, and we confess that to God and turn to Jesus for his for his salvation, for his forgiveness, for his kind of hope, that immediately when we call out to Jesus, a radical, eternal transfer happens in a split second. 
We move from being children of the darkness to being children of the light. And Paul is saying, imitate God, therefore, because of what has happened deep down in your soul. Live in love and live in his light. And he goes on to describe the light. He says, the light within you, it produces only what is good and right and true. So he says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. When he describes what it looks like to live in the light here, it's what's good and right and true. That's going to become important in just a minute. And then he goes on, he says, so take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. What Paul's saying is that when, when we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and our lives start to light up because of what Jesus is doing inside of us, it will expose the darkness that is all around us. Our lives will start to reflect goodness and rightness and truth, and we'll stand for those things. That's what I love about the ministry of the International Justice Mission. Their whole Focus is to rescue and restore victims of slavery and of sex trafficking, to bring criminals to justice, and to strengthen the justice systems. It's all about doing what is right and good and true, and then exposing the darkness. This is what it means to live in the light. This is what this powerful ministry is focused on doing. What's so cool is if, if if like that intrigues you, like, well, what is that all about? I'd like to know more about that. Sorry, guys, this one's only for the ladies. The ladies, if you want to join us, actually, this Tuesday night at the Renewed monthly event, we have some special guests from the International Justice Mission that will be here to share that ministry. Ladies, you'll get to come together and fellowship and worship together and then learn about this powerful ministry and how it can impact our lives and how we can be, we can be a part of living in the light bringing, dark, bringing the, what, what's wrong out into the light, piercing the darkness that is all around us. And Paul goes on. As he, as he continues to proclaim God's truth to the Ephesian church, he says it's shameful to even talk about the things that the ungodly do. He says but their evil intentions, they will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. He goes on. That's why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Paul was saying, some of us have fallen asleep in the darkness. And it's time to wake up. He was aching to see the Ephesian church live out their true identity as God's children, imitating God by living in love, by living in light. So he says, awake. <laughs> awake, O oh sleeper. And this past summer, Carter and I, we did a, he wanted to do like a manly camping trip. I'm not real manly or much of a camper. But he really wanted to do it. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So we, we borrowed some gear. We borrowed a tent. And um, I mean, we, it, was, it was not that bad. We had a little air mattress in there. And, and uh, we, we had spent the day, we were, we, were, we were doing manly things. We were mountain biking through the trails, and we we're fishing, and we we're canoeing, and, and uh, you know, 
built a campfire. I mean, I used a lot of lighter fluid to get it started. But, I mean, I mean we, trust me, it, we, it was manly, you know. And, and uh, by evening time, you know, it's late. We've been sitting, up around, sitting around the campfire together. And, we, you know, we cooked by the campfire and all these things. And uh, we get ready for bed. And Carter falls asleep. And I'm just kind of laying there and listening to the sounds of the night. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke, woke up because I heard something outside the tent. I'm like, what is that? And at first I'm thinking, I better wake Carter up. But then I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't wake him up because what's out there? And, and then I feel something brush up against the tent. <laughs> and I know, I mean, we were at Finley State Park. We weren't in southern Ohio. It couldn't have been a bear, but I, like, you never know. One could have made its way up here. And I'm hearing this commotion outside of our tent. And my, I mean, my adrenaline is now pumping. I've got no weapons. So I, I tenderly, quietly begin to unzip the tent. Not the screen, though. The screen is still up. Because, I mean, that bear's not going to get through the screen. So let's... <laughs> I unzip and I get the, the flashlight. And I get ready in my mind, like, I'm, I'm so nervous, and in my mind, I count down, three, two, one, click, and there are raccoons everywhere, I mean, it's a whole family, like, it's mom, dad, it's like five kids, I don't know, and they're everywhere, and they're into our stuff, like, I told you, I'm not that great of a camper, I mean, we, I'd put stuff in a, in a, in a, trash bag and it was just hanging off the edge of the flat iron grill that we had brought and I mean they were just tearing it up it was like Thanksgiving on our campsite and I was so freaked out and so I you know finally you know I'm shining the light and then I see what all is there and that's what Paul's talking about he says he says listen the light exposes whatever is in the darkness and eventually they scurried away and I didn't wake Carter up because I didn't want him to see what a chicken his dad was. But I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I was just like, I was just so anxious. You never know what's in the darkness. Paul was calling the Ephesian church to live in the light because it's the light that exposes what's in the darkness. But if we're honest, sometimes... Sometimes we like to just hide in the darkness. And Paul was calling the Ephesian church up, and he's calling us up to imitate God. Live out our true identity. Live in love and live in the light. So I want to give you a, a growing deeper question to think about. It, is the light within me, is it more like a, a spotlight that just points out the darkness in other people? Or is it more like a beautiful chandelier that just gives light to everyone so that everyone can see more clearly? This is the light of Christ that he wants to reflect out of our lives. Paul says, live in love, live in light. And then finally he says, live in wisdom. Live in wisdom. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Live in wisdom. What is this wisdom 
that Paul's speaking of. If I were to define it, I would put it this way, that wisdom is both the knowledge of God and His Word put into practice and experience. Wisdom is not just head knowledge and understanding, but it's, it's truth that is then experienced, practiced, which brings about a deep sense of wisdom and confidence in God. That's what Paul's saying. But what he goes on to say next is that we can't live out that kind of wisdom if we can't think clearly. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly. That's key. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul's talking about how we use our brains, how we think. And he's saying we need to think clearly, not thoughtlessly. And that's why he says what he says next. It seems out of place at first, but he says, oh, and by the way, don't be drunk with wine. And you're like, well, what's that all about? And I don't think Paul's making a statement here about the pros or cons uh, or the, the rightness or wrongness of alcohol use. He's not, in fact, that might be different. There may be a different conviction for everybody when it comes to this. He is giving a warning, though. He's saying, don't be drunk. He's saying, don't be controlled. He says, because that will ruin your life. And you've seen it. You've seen it in the lives of others. Perhaps you've seen it in your own life. We drink too much, we drink too excess, and now we're not thinking clearly. We're living thoughtless lives, and we're not in control any longer. Something else is starting to influence and control and, and lead our lives. And that's why what Paul says next is so significant. He says, don't be controlled, led by drunkenness. Instead, he says, be filled or controlled or led by God's Spirit. He's saying, if we want to live in love and we want to live in the light, that will not happen if we're not in control of our lives, if we're not thinking clearly so that we can follow the lead of God's Spirit in our life. See, this is the secret to everything that Paul's been talking about so far. How do we live in love? How do we live in the light? How do we live in wisdom? Only by following God's Spirit in our life. Living in wisdom is knowing His truth and then having the power from God's Spirit to act accordingly, to follow Him, to let Him lead our lives. And he says this leads to singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to making music in our hearts to the Lord, and ultimately to giving thanks to God the Father for everything. You want to live a thankful life as we get closer and closer to thanksgiving, that happens when we live according to the Spirit. So I want to give us a growing deeper question. Because if the issue for Paul is control, we ought to ask the question, what's controlling me that I need to confess? And there may be something in all of our lives. It may not be alcohol. It could be a number of other things. Jesus, Paul was challenging the church to live the Jesus way, to imitate God, to, to, to live in love, to live in the light, 
and to live in wisdom. He doesn't want us to just try harder, do better. He's asking us to live out our true identity as God's children. That's where it all begins. Have you become God's child? Have you experienced his forgiveness and his kind of love so that we can live in sacrificial love? So that we get to a point in our life where (laughs) we don't even know that we're doing it. Because we are our Father's children. And we start to mimic, to imitate Him. Not because we're trying to, but because His influence has become so great in our life. So let's lean into Jesus. Let's get into His Word. Let's live lives of prayer. Let's connect with others that sharpen our lives so that our lives will reflect His kind of love, will expose the darkness because of the light that is within us, and that we will live in the wisdom of God Himself. Would you pray with me?